I am excited about Set for Life tonight as that series kicks off, but I actually thought I would um, I'd try and bleed a little bit of Set for Life into our mornings as well, because why should the night have all the fun? Why should the night have all the fun? It's so often the case, we have a lot of fun at night. You should come out and check it out sometime. Some of you, some of you morning people who've never been to a night, I know, I know it's late. 7 p.m. I know it's late for some of us, but, but you should get along and see what goes on. Uh, there you go. Lately, recently, I've uh, begun cooking. And uh, not any sort of cooking. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a good cook. I'm saying I have begun cooking. You do realise there's a difference. And, uh, and really specifically Italian cooking from our recent trip to Italy and just uh, love Italian food. And so um, I don't know where... It's not because I like to cook. People have gone like, I'm a bit surprised you like to cook. It's not so much that I like to cook, but I'm sort of like, it's that man thing where I'm like challenged to... Uh, I want to experience Italy without paying the money here and so I'm determined to somehow recreate some of the flavours of Tuscany. Uh, it's great to see Greg Papa here today, he'd know what I'm talking about and if Rosie Kayla's here anywhere, um, she is, she can, uh, she can do fantastic Italian food. Anyway, I'm just trying, I'm just, I've just launched and it's funny that after a little while I started cooking pastas and pizzas and whatnot and then of course very quickly you realise you can't, you can't make a pizza with a bought base. It just can't be done. Not, not in any way that's going to do pizza justice. And so I had to learn to make my own pizza dough and how to stretch the dough properly and do all of that. And that was good. And then I, I, once I'd done that and realised the difference with pizza made on homemade dough, then I had to move to pasta. Handmade pasta and just making pasta, which is so simple to make and it's therapeutic. You know, there's something about digging your fingers into dough. That is therapeutic. And, um, uh, but I must admit, this little machine changed my life. I had never seen one of these before in my life. I'd never even heard of one until I actually, this arrived. I paid $23 something off eBay, posted. <laughs> that was total price, 23 bucks. And, if, and, and what it is, it's a pasta maker. If you're not sure what it is, it's a pasta maker. And so you make the dough and then you squish it a bit. And you feed it into here and it flattens it. It flattens it out and then you keep adjusting it and getting it finer and finer. And you, you, it's great. And then you move it to here if you want. Uh, I haven't even used this end slot. I, it didn't come with instructions because, hey, I only paid 23 bucks. <laughs> so I have no idea what that slot does, but I know this slot... It makes fantastic fettuccine. Like you just put that thing in and you do this and out comes fettuccine in handfuls, handfuls of fresh fettuccine for me to put my, you know, my, all my goodies into and on. And some of you, just a few people have experienced some of that, but not fresh, Adam. Narrative, you guys have to come back because I, you haven't had fresh pasta yet. You've only had packet pasta. Uh, the fact is that the right tools for the job make all the difference. And it's funny that when you've got the right stuff, you even want to do it more. 
I mean, who on earth would want to make pasta? Really, when you can buy it in a packet. Some, my brother said that to me yesterday. So I'll just, I'll just buy a packet, mate, if I want it. But at the end of the day, when you can do it properly, you know, you can make pasta without a machine. Okay. You just can't do it as quickly, as effectively, and as perfectly. And there's just nothing like having the right tool. There's nothing like, if I could put it this way, there's nothing like being set up. And it actually makes you want to do it. And I think that life is a lot like that. I might get Joe to come if she would. Thanks, Joe. Before I fall over that, who likes my $23 pasta machine, by the way? It's, it's quite neat. It's awesome. It's not very big, but it, it, it does the job. I think life's like this. You know, that there, there are certain things that set us up well in life and, and make you want to do life and get into life. And then there's, there's certain things, there's attitudes, there's decisions, there's mindsets, there's values that don't actually set us up for life at all. If you get the, 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 the values and the mindset and the attitudes and, and therefore the decisions that flow from that, if you get that right, it sets you up to do life. And actually life is an incredible unfolding adventure. Uh, and so I want to talk to us about maybe I think is the most important principle. When I thought about, sorry, I keep spraying things around here. Um, when I, when I looked at the Set for Life series, it was like, what do, I, what do I teach our young people that will set them up for a win in every area, in finances, in relationships, in health, in, in mental health and thinking and all of those things? Where do I start a series like that? And then when I began working on that, I thought the concept was too good to just let them have the fun. Because to me... What I'm going to share today is maybe what underpins absolutely all the rest of being set for life, set to do life well. And so we're going to dive into this and have a look at it today. You know, well, I think we all love choice. We do. We love choice. You know, whole corporations are built on their ability to deliver choice to the customer. And I know as a bloke... Options, I love options. I love options. I love options with food. I love options with cars. What is it about guys? They buy perfectly good four-wheel drive and then they stick big bull bars on them and spotlights and this and that and big wheels and the steering geometry goes out. You've got to get your wheels aligned every six months, but you don't care because you've got options. (laughs) And girls are no better. Boy, do girls like options when it comes to clothing? Hey? What's the term? Accessorise. Accessories and clothing. Mix and match is what girls love to do. It's, but it's interesting, mixing and matching doesn't always work. Options don't always work. Some things aren't meant to be mixed, especially fashion for some people, but some things aren't meant to be mixed. I want to share a obscure scripture with us this morning in starting Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 9 11 says you shall not sow into your vineyard with different kinds of seed lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey 
together. Good advice. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool and linen, mixed together. And all the girls said, bah humbug. You know, like, he's spoiling all our fun. It's an unusual command, actually. And there's, you know, there's probably numbers of ways of looking at this. I'm going to take a pretty common theological look at it. But if you're looking at it, it's like, don't mix seeds, don't mix working animals, don't mix threads of material, different threads. And the whole theological concept is to, present, is to prevent loss. To prevent loss. This is just one of the thoughts. But the fact that if you sow into your vineyard, and it's interesting in the New Testament, Jesus always seemed to be using the vineyard and sometimes unproductive plants within the vineyard became an example that he gave as he preached and he taught. Um, but basically you've got things coming to fruition at all different times of the year and so if you're trampling through one to get to the next you're going to be spoiling the unripe crop there's a certain amount of loss that will come if you plant a whole heap of crops in a small space that's one of the thoughts with the donkey and the ox it's pretty easy I mean the donkey can't pull as much as an ox and if you you put the two together you're probably going to lose the donkey Okay, the ox is taller for a start, so the, the donkey's up here like this, and then he's got to work with the, with the ox. You will probably kill your donkey. Don't do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't kill your donkey. And then these threads of clothing, I mean, it's, it's weird and it's obscure, and obviously they didn't have the manufacturing techniques we might have today, but the general thought is that it would prevent unnecessary loss through shrinkage and different forms of shrinkage so that that seems like an obscure verse and a bit of a weird thing and obviously you could question surely there's not a moral issue here for us old testament passage there's not but it is an illustrated example as the new testament says all of the old testament's an example for us what it's saying is you can't have it both ways and it was an exhortation at this time for God's people to pursue a certain amount of purity. And similarly for us, Christians are to pursue, you know, pure and godly character. Don't mix the character or the nature of the world around us with what God is doing in you. Pursue purity. So what I want to speak today about is whose will be done? Whose will be done? Matthew chapter 29 verse 39, famous passage and Jared, we did not collaborate. Jared shared this verse around the giving. So, I, you know, straight away, I always pluck up. I mean, the Bible's a big book. There's a lot of places we could go today. Both of us have gone to the same spot. So maybe God really wants us to get something today. It's Jesus in the garden. It says, He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, O Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Is that you? Is that us? You know, when it, when it comes to mixing things, I think the easiest thing to mix is a little bit of me and a little bit of him. 
very quiet. Everyone's looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Chris. You know, I, I like the God thing because it's lifted my life, empowered my life in so many ways, but man, I like my thing too. And we're tempted to mix it, and whenever you mix, there's loss. Wherever you mix, there's potential for shrinkage that spoils the whole garment. Wherever you mix, there's the potential to actually lose power by destroying one element of the equation. And, and, you know, I could apply it in a number of different ways. And so scripture exhorts us not to mix. Jesus here is wrestling with this very issue I know what I want, but I know what you want. And so just how open are we to his will? Which leads you to to the question, how do you know his will? How do you know his will? Well, I've qualified it two ways really quickly, and this has just been my journey. Some things are definite. Some things are definite, they're just plainly in the Bible, in the Word of God. Some things, whether they are God's will for you or not God's will for you, are plain, like do not murder. That will not help your relationships. If we're talking about being empowered for life and relationships is a big part of life, well, it's not going to do your relationships very, very good. It's probably not going to do your finances good because they'll throw you in jail. And ultimately, uh, you know, if the guy's brother catches you before the cops arrest you, then it might not be good for your health either. So some things are obvious. And I, I think they're the things that are easiest to probably do. Although, but that's probably what's easiest. Other things, some things are discernible. Some things are definite. Some things are discernible. Some things you can get the mind of God on, literally. You can get your life in step with his and actually ascertain what what his will is. You know, Jesus had to do that to go to the cross. He did it by revelation. There was nowhere necessarily in scripture that said Jesus Christ must go to a Roman cross and be crucified. That part, he worked out. Yes, there was Old Testament prophecy and Isaiah, for example, but the details weren't there. He had to land in the right spot at the right time, discerning the will of God, and finds himself on the eve of his execution, wrestling, realising, I've actually been led of the Spirit right to this point, and now it's crunch time. And I think sometimes we get there in our lives, and that's where it's most critical not to balk. That's often where it's a character issue, when it's not, your, not my will, but yours be done. It's like everything within me, everything in my flesh is crying out for fresh pasta. <laughs> but I've already had enough to eat today and I want to honour the body you've given me. So Lord, I'm just joking. But you understand what I mean? We get to a T-junction, we get to a point of decision where we've got to work out Your will or my will? Your will in this relationship or my will? Your will with my resources, my finances and everything that I am? Your will 
or my will. Your will literally with my time or my will. Your will with this body or my will. God, what am I going to do with that decision? And so some things are discernible. Uh, For example, dietary laws in scripture, they're not mandatory, but being discerning of what you eat is a good thing. Which leads to, well, how do you do it? How do you do this? Micah chapter 6 verse 8, and and I've I've got to say, I'm going to run around a few threads of scripture today in introducing this whole subject, but he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. These are all character-based issues. This is, this is what God has shown you that, I can put it this way, keeping your heart in a good place is the number one thing. If there's nothing else he's shown you, if you've picked up nothing else from following Jesus and from reading the Bible and being in church or whatever it is, if you've picked up no other thing, then probably the core essence of where your heart's at would have to be the number one thing. Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the the issues of life, the Hebrew word issues, geographical boundaries of life. They spring out of your own heart. Therefore keep it so that your life is not limited by your own heart. And so the heart is such a key. And and here it says to walk softly. I guess to, to walk humbly means to walk softly, to walk carefully before God not blundering around arrogantly well I'll make it happen I want it and I took it sounds like the garden doesn't it and yet that's that's always our challenge sounds like the garden of Eden with the apple it's always our challenge you know personally I've always looked at this verse and I think and when I meditate on it it's the ability to stop the ability to reflect the ability to, cha- to, to change bearings if you need to in life. How willing are we to be directed? Because sometimes we just get so set on a course and we know what wants to happen and we, want, we know what it wants, we want it to look like and we know what we're going to do. How willing are we to stop and hear something different and adjust? Because it's in those moments, that supernatural provision, it's in those moments, that supernatural intervention, they're the moments where it happens. It's that we talk about having faith, but faith has got to be active. You know, Hebrews, and and this isn't a new concept, but describing faith, the writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Rewind it back, now faith. In the moment faith, not faith that you had way back then at some moment at an altar call or a major part, place in a church, but today is faith alive. No wonder Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith? Even Jesus questioned, will I find people still travelling in faith? So easy while I'm here with them working miracles, but they've got all of life ahead of them yet. And that Ability to stay in faith, move in faith, be moved by God by walking before him with a soft and open heart that's willing to adjust course if his spirit whispers to us. Um, 
This is not a, a, a new story. I, I tell it because it's part of our journey. So, you know, I've, forgive me, many of you have probably heard this story, but I often tell it in this context, and it was Sue and I as young leaders in this church, interns to our senior pastor, and um, uh, we had been doing that for probably three years, the best part of three years as interns, and uh, we felt like God had something in our future, but we didn't know what that was, and then out of the blue came an opportunity, came an invitation by someone of traveling ministry who'd stayed in our home who'd spoken to us had sort of seen us in action in the local church and they uh they contacted us and said we want to offer you a full-time job position on the sunshine coast under a very well-known ministry in a large church had 250 youth and young adults to pastor that were already in the church this thing was pumping and it was at the sunshine coast and it was, I was still spray painting. This was like, you just serve the church. You don't have to think about anything else. Don't worry about a car again, Chris. You can just focus on what God's put in your heart. Man, what an opportunity. And so Sue and I, trying to, I guess, practice that principle, which seemed to be innate for us. It just was there, of, of walking softly we decided to do the spiritual thing. And, and we were, you know, we'd been married probably three years at that point. And, um, and I said, well, what we'll do is we'll go our separate ways. We won't talk about this offer all week. And we'll just pray about it. And then at the end of the week, we'll come together and we'll actually say, what, you know, what do you think? So we, we didn't want to just keep talking ourselves into it because it was so exciting to talk about. What an incredible opportunity. And uh, we come back together at the end of the week and neither of us wanted to go first. It was like, you go. No, you go. No, you go. You know, you know how it is when you're newly married. That doesn't happen when you're old man. You say, you go first. It's like, okay, I will. Anyway. <laughs> no, you go. you go. It wasn't that. It was just that we didn't want to disappoint the other person because eventually one of us got out. I just, I just don't sense God in it which meant that we were just going to keep doing what we'd been doing for three years. And it didn't seem to be growing or going anywhere, but, but that was the word. And, and, and we were both relieved because we both felt the same way. And I was excited to ring this guy back. Uh, not, not to say no to the job opportunity or this ministry opportunity, but because I'd heard from God and we were just so so clear that we'd heard from heaven. So to me, that settled it. And I rang him and I said, mate... Uh, we're not coming. Uh, and he was just like, what? Do you realise what an opportunity this is? I said, oh yeah, look, no, I really appreciate it, but hey, we prayed about it and we just don't really feel God's in it, so goodbye, God bless. And um, I told my senior pastor at the time the decision we'd made, he knew we were praying about it, and, um, and he said, I knew you guys could hear from God. And interestingly enough, within a month or two, what, found, what happened is that that particular ministry that had invited us had fallen morally. We didn't know that. And so when all that came out, the whole thing imploded. The church blew down to about 70 people from a church of 800. Within a couple of years, it was 70 people and stayed there. And actually, as far as I know, is almost still there. Or only very recently... Was there another change? After several changes of leadership, that place died for decades. 
and we would have been holding the baby right in the middle of it if we hadn't stopped and walked softly. Because we were charging towards ministry. We knew God wanted us to serve him and serve his house in that way. But the ability to stop, this just seemed like the next logical step. As a matter of fact, it seemed like a leap into the future. But the ability to walk softly and discern, is God in this or not? And both having a very clear sense, because we prayed genuinely. You know, you can pray about things, but you already know the answer because you've already decided. I'm not talking about that. You know, I think God wants me to have a new car. I'll pray about it. Yes, he did. He told me, yeah, every time I look at the sales brochure, he says, buy it. Uh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just genuine surrender. God, we would love this. You know how much we would love this. But what we want more is just to know whether to do it or not and whether this is you or not. And that saved us for potentially, I doubt we'd be in ministry today. We probably wouldn't even be in church if we'd had to take that hospital pass and been in the middle of so much rubbish at that stage of our life. I think I'd only been, I'd only been saved five years or six years, seven years, something like that. Probably wouldn't even be in church today if we'd have caught the wrong ball. And yet it looked so good. And I wonder how often we end up in deep stuff. We end up in debt or we end up in difficult relationships or we end up wherever we end up simply because we charged into what our heart longed for but we weren't prepared to walk humbly before our God and, and walk softly and be prepared to listen and change direction even if it was painful. You know, for Jesus, he had an amazing ministry. To go to the cross seemed to bring it all to an end very prematurely. He only ministered for three years. Three years. That was it. Miracles and walking on water and raising the dead and thousands fed and blind eyes opened and wow, what a ministry. But he knew the time when that time was right to adjust course and seemingly go in the opposite direction to get a supernatural God result. We are sitting in church today in 2019 because Jesus Christ was determined to do the Father's will in 3 AD or something like that. So you'll only live the God kind of life by making the God kind of decisions. Does that make sense? Because I think we all want it. We all want God to bless us. We all want to to move in, in, in that supernatural realm. I mean, that's why we came to Jesus. He drew our heart. We surrendered. God did amazing things, things that we could only say are supernatural in our life. And then I think we do have that desire to walk in that and experience that. Come on, God, let's go on a journey and unfold that. But if we're not careful, even as our life gains momentum and we grow and we accumulate, all of a sudden the ability to make surrendered decisions becomes scary. I know, especially, you know, later in life, younger in life, I mean, it was easy to just drop everything and go because we had nothing to drop. As life goes on, you question, would I be just, would I be as soft faced with the same decision again? Would I be able to hear from heaven? But hearing from heaven is the key. 
Hearing from heaven is where the provision is. As crazy as it might sound, it was a couple of months after we said no to that opportunity that we were asked to take an opportunity that looked in the total opposite direction and go to 11 people at Crow's Nest, which we did. And we stayed there for seven years, saw a country town revival, and it set our whole lives up for everything that was about to come. That's just my story, but what's yours? And if, if nothing else today, is there a desire in you to hear from heaven about the direction you're taking, about the, the next step in your journey? And, and, and can I encourage you, don't try and map the whole thing out beginning to end. It never happens that way. God is always looking for the last obedient step. If you're here and it's like, well, I'm not sure about the will of God and I don't know how to find the will of God and I haven't known about that for a while, all I'd say to you is go back to the last thing you really know that he told you to do. And if it's undone, do it now. Whatever that was, do that. And then he'll show you the next thing. That's how you walk by faith. God says, well, you know, you're going to have to take 50 steps in that direction and you're going to end up right there. There'd be no faith in it. (laughs) I'm taking you to the other end of the platform, Chris. Easy. But it's when it's, what's this step? What's that step? Avoid that. Come back here. Going to bring you online. Who's ever felt like their walk's a little bit like that? If If you get it right and then we make a decision. And then we make another decision. And I want to encourage us today, let's be people that walk humbly, softly. If you want to set yourself up for life, set yourself up for the God kind of life. Not what you can produce with your own efforts, but what the Holy Spirit can do through you. How God can lead you into his plan, his purpose for our lives. The fact is, he either knows better or not. You realise that? God either knows better or not and we need to make a choice whether we're going to trust that he does. Here's some questions for us to apply this just as I close. Psalm uh, 37 verse verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So here's some questions for us to apply apply it. Do you really trust him? Like I know... You know, I know we do. I mean, the great bulk of the people in this place, you, you would say that you've got active faith in Christ. You're following Jesus. You're, you're living for him and, and, and you're doing your best. Uh, this is like a different question. <laughs> do you really trust him? Uh, it's, it's one thing for us to know that we need him. It's another thing for us to, to trust that he knows best. Have you found that or is it just me? very quiet in here it's very quiet in here do do you trust him and if if i want to tie that to something tangible this is the you know this is the ultimate question by the way do you trust him in tangible ways tangible ways like jared said before it was a great example of it i've got this old car i feel your pain I've got this old car, you know, and I really want to spend money on it, but there's this and there's that and there's, there's other things and I want to honour God. And so that's like a tangible expression. I will honour you with my first fruits in spite of my own plans and dreams. I will honour you first. 
That's a tangible expression. And just one of them, if, when it comes to relational stuff, and, and tonight I'll be talking about this with boys, the whole boy and girl thing, but, but honestly, sometimes we just run into relationships prematurely or we run into things that look good to us. And we get to a point where we couldn't hear if, honestly, if heaven let off a shotgun, we wouldn't hear it go bang. Because we're determined to pursue our own way and often it ends poorly. Do you trust him tangibly in ways that you say, that's a clear quality decision I made with my life? Here's the second question. When it comes to decisions you make, and this is teasing it out a bit, when it comes to decisions you make, who has the right of way? I guess that's what we see in the garden on that highest level. It was like, um, you know, Jesus didn't want to, no, no one in their right mind would want to be crucified. We don't want to die. And we certainly don't want to die prematurely. And that's that, that's that thing that he was facing. Is the Father's will my priority or is what I want my priority? No. And, and look, I, can I be honest? I tend to think a lot of things in life, God does say, what do you desire? I prayed about marrying Sue for years and in the end, I married her when the Holy Spirit clearly said to me, I'm not marrying her, you are. <laughs> I do, and I think God can bless decisions that we make, but if you want to walk in the supernatural, if you want to see God do things beyond your imagination, then you have to move in a realm of faith when it comes to the bulk of the decisions we make, the major life decisions. Last question was, when was the last time you pushed against your own desires and made a faith-based decision that was contrary to natural preference? Just, just as an indicator, a hard indicator, when was the last time that you could say, you know what, I was faced with the challenge there, I could have chosen this, I could have, cho- I could have chosen to be offended and to say this, but I chose life. I could have chosen to spend that, but I decided to save that. I could have chosen to... When was the last time that you actually felt the Holy Spirit redirecting you and you made a decision that was contrary to your own natural desires? Because what that is, is an indicator of a really healthy heart. That's an indicator of someone who's determined to walk softly before God walk softly to hear ready to change bearings ready to God not my will your will be done and and if you want to get set for life there could not be a better first building block in your foundation than the determination I, I want to hear from God on this before we talk about any of the other things of life over the next several weeks start there God I want what you want. I want to line up with what you want. You've, you've got a plan for me. You've got a purpose for me. Then, then no matter what, no matter how big or small that is, I'm just going to walk it out step by step. I'm just determined to be pleasing, to live pleasing before you. And I know that's in our heart. Even though you've gone very quiet. I know that's in our heart. And it was an encouragement this morning. Come on, let's get back to hearing from heaven. Seeing supernatural provision. There's an old, old saying that Sue and I have proven in our lives again and again and again. 
in spite of the fact that our lives have at times been contradictory and up and down and we've been the confused ones and we're not sure whether we're heading in the right direction. The interesting thing is that over the whole course of life, God just keeps popping up faithful at every major junction. And years and years ago, I heard this saying and it was God's provision is strategically placed on the pathway of of obedience. And from finding our life partner to our finances to the opportunities God has given us in ministry, that has been the key. The determination, God, I I want what you want ultimately. As much as I struggle with that day to day, ultimately I want what you want with my life. And occasionally you walk slap bang into supernatural provision that could have only come because you listened to heaven and were prepared to change direction. We're prepared to prioritise, not my will, your will be done. Would you stand with me this morning? I know you're quiet because you're thinking. You doing okay out there? Doing okay? I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Father. Pray for us. Lord, before you today, we just want to reach out to you. We want your will. Why don't you just reach out to God, however you're comfortable right now. Father, we we just want to trust that your ways are higher than, than our ways, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that you have a plan and a purpose, that you can see around the corner of life where we can't and we want to trust you with what comes next. And so, Father, I pray. I pray that right right now this morning we could dedicate ourselves afresh to this simple principle of your will, not ours. To walk before you wanting what you want, not what we naturally gravitate to, not what frustrates us, angers us, enamors us, but what you want. And trusting you that if we do that, we will always end up in a great space that you've ordained for us. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Friends, you might be here today and maybe you've never got to the point of really trusting God. I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. It might be the first time ever for you. It might be the first time in a long time. But as I've spoken today, you just know, man, I I know I'm not trusting God the way you're talking. And I want to encourage you, that can begin really, really simply. Uh, The Bible story is is that Jesus Christ came and offered himself a sacrifice for our sins, for our brokenness, for our shortcomings, to restore us into relationship with God. That's God's joy, is to be involved in our lives and in our journey. And I trust that came through this morning's message. But if you're here and that's not your experience... You can reach out to God right now, right in the closing moments of this service and make it your experience. In a few moments' time, we're going to pray a very simple prayer. Very simple prayer. It's a prayer of dedication and surrender, just what I've been talking about. And uh, if you're here and you need to pray it, then I want to encourage you to pray along with the rest of us. Just before we do, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, friend, if you know that you need to deliberately put your trust in God, in Jesus Christ, in what God has done for you through him. Would you just raise your hand just right where you stand? 
just indicate to me. Yep, God bless you, mate. I see your hand. You can put it down. That's awesome. Others, you just need to do it real quick. I'm not going to prolong it, but so important. Yeah, God bless you, mate. That's awesome. God bless you, mate. I see you. That's fantastic. That is awesome. Just anyone else, really quickly, in the closing moments, you just know, Chris, yep, God bless you. Down here in the front, I see you. God bless you. You just know, this is your moment. This is your moment of absolute trust. Yep, God bless you, mate. That is awesome. Yep, God bless you. That is awesome. Yep, God bless you, mate. That is fantastic. So many people responding, whether it's the first time ever or the first time in a long time, we're like, I'm really going to lay my life down at, at God's feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for everyone who's responding to trust this morning. I just thank you that you are not going to disappoint them. Father, as they trust you, as they surrender to you, afresh or for the first time ever, they're going to experience your goodness, your love, your grace. They are going to experience a God they can trust to lead them through all of life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Why don't we give it up for people who just made that response this morning. We are encouraging you. That is a great decision. Great decision. And Sue's going to come and let us know a little bit more about that.